Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Nine Decide podcast, where we chat with super amazing and inspirational people who pounded the pavement before and after their nine to fives to get their side hustles off the ground. After listening to the interviews with these amazing guests, you'll walk away with a refreshed pep in your step and a newfound motivation to make your side hustle a reality. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode five of season one of the Nine Decide podcast. As you're listening to this, as I'm talking about the months in timeframes, they are probably all messed up because it's taken me so long to launch this. So it's January right now, but by the time you listen to this, it might be summer for all I know. I have no idea. But anyways, January is also one of my least favorite months. Can you tell like a trend here? My least favorite months are the winter. Yes. But January, I feel like is all about feeling bad about yourself, really, because (laughs) January 1, everybody's like, oh, you make these resolutions, you're going to do great, you're going to work out more, you're going to eat well, and we all know that's not going to happen. At least for me, I know that's not going to happen. So I go through the motions, I pretend it's all going to happen, and then like basically January 2nd, I fail at everything that I like set out to do. January 3rd, same thing, and the following week, same thing. And I feel like I just feel worse and worse about myself. So I feel like January, I sum up as kind of a month of disappointment. And February, I feel like, is more of the month of like realization where I'm like, it's okay. It's actually okay. You're not going to accomplish any of the things you set out to do in the new year. And that's okay. And so it's a month of acceptance. And then there's March. And then finally, you're in spring. So I feel like it's, it fast forwards to the spring. So, but anyways, we're in January now. If you're listening in summer now, that's great, even better. But anyways. So I hope everyone is doing great. I wanted to introduce my episode five guest who is also fabulous. I mean, I say that about all my guests because obviously everybody that I interview, I think is fabulous. He is the owner of Boone Island Originals. He's based in central Massachusetts and he makes furniture and home decor and he's insanely talented. And I did learn a new term from him. He considers himself a maker, which is one that makes. So he currently focuses on woodworking, but he is branching out into other things that he'll he'll talk about, like metalwork and various other things, but it's all people that make things. I'm excited for you to hear my interview with John Grassi. So here it is. All right. Well, John Grassi, thanks so much for joining. I appreciate you being on the podcast and taking some time out to chat. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So I know you, spoiler alert from work. And I've been kind of stalking you for a while on Instagram because I love following your work. But before we kind of get into what your side hustle is, just tell us a little bit about yourself outside of work and kind of who you are. Oh, sure. My name's John. I I live in central Massachusetts. I got uh, two kids at home. So we're very busy, two little kids. So we're juggling them all the time. So when I'm not juggling the kids or cleaning up after them or feeding them or whatever, I try to get down to the the shop and, and do some woodworking, woodworking stuff. Cool. So then tell us, I know kids are extremely time consuming. So I, I feel you. I have three of them and it's a lot of work. So I get it. Tell us a little bit about like, if someone were to ask you to give an elevator pitch of what your side hustle is, give us the elevator pitch of your side hustle and tell us whether it is truly a side hustle or whether it's actually your full-time job now. 
It's definitely a side hustle, 100%. But my side hustle is Boone Island Originals. I consider myself a maker. So I primarily do woodworking, but I do a, a number of other things too. Some electronic stuff, some programming. I hope to eventually get into metalworking and, and like leatherworking and stuff at some point. But I do custom commission work for folks. So all sorts of various things. I've made tables, desks, cutting boards, all engraved with people's names on them and things. So yeah, basically folks come to me if they, they have a gift or something, they want to get someone for a special occasion or you know for Christmas or the holidays, and I can work with them to figure out what they want. And then we design it together and I'll, I'll build it for them. So cool. I've gotten your ornaments, which I love and get huge compliments on. So I feel like oh, you're thanks. incredibly talented. So you consider yourself a maker. Is that kind of I've never heard that term. Is that like a well-known term or is that an industry term amongst? I don't know. So there's a lot of folks on YouTube who consider themselves makers and and Instagram and social media. And basically it's like an all-encompassing term for people who make things out of stuff or make things with their hands. So I like that term because it, it doesn't, when you say you're a woodworker, it usually means like strictly work with wood. You might, there's different types of woodworking, but I like making stuff across the board. So and learning stuff along the way. So half the fun for me is not only just making the stuff, but learning how to do it. So right now I've been learning a lot about woodworking and doing a lot of that stuff, but it kind of keeps the door open to learn other things and other materials, other tools. So eventually as I continue to to work on this stuff, I hope to kind of expand that out further and further. Oh, cool. Okay. That helps me understand what like what a maker is. Cause I actually thought that you were primarily into woodworking, but it's good to know you do other stuff. So let's walk back kind of what got you started in this. Have you always kind of tinkered in things and worked with your hands and made things like what kind of triggered and gave you the idea to come up with your side hustle or really did it come out of a passion of what you had already been doing? So I've always really enjoyed kind of learning new things. So even before I was woodworking, like I learned how to brew beer. I brewed kombucha. I've done some like graphic design stuff. So I've always really enjoyed kind of learning stuff and the process of learning things. So even before I was making things out of wood, I was learned, taught myself how to brew beer, to brew kombucha, to do some graphic design or programming, like software type of things. That process of like identifying something that looks like it's cool to learn more about, and then just kind of immersing myself in books or videos has always been fun. So before I I lived in Massachusetts, I lived in a small apartment in Philly. So I couldn't do as much of like the woodworking stuff just because there was no space. But when we moved up to Massachusetts, where I've got a house and a a garage, I was lucky enough to get a couple of free tools from my dad. And I thought, you know, hey, I could probably make some stuff with this. So I think the first thing I made was a set of cubbies. My wife was a teacher at the time. So I made some cubbies for her classroom. And then after that, a couple like a table and like a bench and slowly you just kind of start learning more stuff or trying new things out and it's just grown from there. And so the woodworking part of it, like it was, it was woodworking. And then, I mean, cause you said all along, you've loved to make things, but you never thought about starting kind of a, a formal business or a side hustle. What made you kind of take it from just, I don't know, a hobby of creating different wood projects to thinking like, I'm going to start Boone Island Originals. Yeah, honestly, it was because I wanted more tools in my shop. So, because <laughs> I wanted to yes. collect more tools. Well, tools are expensive; they cost money, and I didn't want to just be sinking a ton of money into my hobby. So, I thought, you know what, I could maybe justify buying some more tools if I sell a couple of things along the way. So, when I first started, I said I could make some like dining room tables. So, I put a couple of postings up on Facebook Marketplace, and a couple of random people asked for tables, and I started selling. They sold a couple of those, and that allowed me to buy a couple of new tools, and then. 
know, around the holidays, I thought, hey, I could make these ornaments. I sold a bunch of those. And again, that just kind of helped me stock up my shop, I guess, to make it easier to build things and also more fun, frankly, to have <laughs> cool new toys to play with. That's really smart. And you don't mind parting with the, the things that you make? Like, was it more about, is it more about the process of actually building and kind of seeing the project through and less about keeping it? You don't mind just building it and kind of sending it, selling it off to somebody? I try to do a little bit of both. So mm-hmm. try to balance the commission work that I'm doing for other people with things that I can keep around the house. I get enjoyment from both. Like there's things that I make for other people that are for their kids. Like I'll make these like name puzzles for kids or boxes for people for like their wedding and stuff. And that's that's really satisfying to me because I know that that means a lot to them. It's like something that they'll treasure for a long time. So that's fun. I have no problem giving that away. Plus it has like someone, random person's name on it. So it really doesn't mean anything to me. It's really something but, I keep around. <laughs> yeah. But I also like the things that I make for our, our house, like our coffee table and stuff. Like that's also stuff that we use every day. So it's fun to be able to look around the house and say, hey, like I made that or I did this. And that is slowly growing as we kind of swap out some of our old Ikea furniture that's falling apart for nicer stuff that I've made. Yeah, I'm so jealous. My house is full of Ikea furniture that's falling apart. So walk me through, I guess, just for the sake of this being kind of about side hustles and people who might be listening, who maybe have a hobby themselves or or are looking to formalize it like you did. What was the first step that you took? You said you put some stuff up on Facebook Marketplace, but in terms of coming up with your name and kind of getting that, did you buy like the domain? Did you have to put some money up front to kind of to start your business? And what were those steps to sort of solidify the domain name and that kind of thing to formalize it, I guess? Yeah. I mean, aside from the tools and stuff, which definitely cost money unless you're able to inherit them somewhere, there really weren't too many upfront costs around it. Like I, mm-hmm. I spun up the social media accounts, which were all free. I did buy the domain, which is very cheap. Honestly, just sitting on the domain at this point, the website isn't actually live at this point, but that's, I think it's under like $20 a year. And then like incorporating as business and stuff has come later. But at original, like I wasn't doing enough business up front to really justify it being a, a true business on the side. I didn't even know if it was going to go anywhere. Like I said, it was primarily just to make a couple hundred bucks to buy a, a new tool. And that was that was it. It's kind of grown a little bit since then to where it's something substantial, but really the upfront investment was pretty light. I decided on my name and I used a website called Fiverr. You look around for various graphic designers and you send them your name, some things that you want in your logo, and they come back and send you various versions and you work with them to kind of edit that logo down. So it's a pretty affordable way to just get that that logo piece of it done. I think that was probably a hundred bucks or something like that. So really not that much from. Oh, cool. And then what's the story behind the name? Like, how did you come up with Boone Island Originals? Yeah, so Boone Island is a, a lighthouse off the coast of Maine. And it, it's a t- off a town that I used to vacation a lot as a kid. So I was, I was a weird kid growing up. I really liked lighthouses for some reason. <laughs> like my bedsheets had lighthouses on them. I don't, I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think we are. It's cool. Cars, I guess so. I Maybe not when you're in middle school. but I Yeah, I still have lighthouses on my sheets. It's fine. My wife has gotten totally cool. <laughs> exactly. But anyways, I guess I've always kind of liked them for some reason. But but anyways, I, I always kind of had this weird fascination with Boone Island. So I went back when I brewed beer. I It wasn't really a business at the time, but I would label out my beer, Boone Island Brewery. And then that didn't obviously apply when I, I was making woodworking stuff. So I changed the name a little bit to Boone Island Originals and I don't know, the rest is history. Very cool. I never knew that. I love it. All right, cool. So then I guess my other thing, so you told me about kind of how you got started and then you put stuff up on Facebook Marketplace and 
is it mostly, are you actively trying to market yourself now? I mean, it is a side hustle and I know you're, I feel like you're also so humble and modest about things, but the things you make are insanely impressive. And you do have some big tools. I guess that's what I first want to ask is cost-wise, what would you say like basic bare bones you need to actually do? Because the majority of what you started doing, what I've watched, I know you're expanding is woodworking stuff. And and Mm -hmm. you seem to have a huge, almost like operational grade, like warehouse grade tool. (laughs) Yeah. Like the cost investment for that must be like a little kind of significant if you want to really make dining room tables and stuff. So for like the actual woodworking stuff, I took this online course by this guy, Steve Ramsey. He's got a YouTube channel called Woodworking for Mere Mortals. And he's got this this class that kind of gets you into woodworking with all the tools and stuff for under $1,000, he says, which is actually fairly reasonable for woodworking stuff. And it's really geared towards beginners. So when I was first like, get, I got the bug and really liked woodworking, I kind of stepped through his videos, tells you what tools you should get and not get like that you need and don't need when you're first starting out. And he walks through a handful of projects with you to say like, here's how you use these tools and that sort of thing. So for about $1,000, you could probably get into woodworking. Now, I use some really expensive tools right now, but they're not mine. I actually, I participate in a makerspace, the city next door. So a makerspace is basically like a gym, a physical gym, except instead of exercise equipment, it's expensive tools. So they've got all sorts, like a full woodworking shop, uh, digital fabrication tools, like a laser cutter, a CNC machine, which allows you to kind of engrave things and carve things out. So these are tools that I, there's no way I could afford right now at this point in my journey. They're tens of thousands of dollars even. But for a small monthly fee, like I pay that to them every month and I can go there whenever I want and use those tools whenever that's, I want. So that's yeah, so it's been cool. a really, it's been a nice way for me to kind of run a business using these expensive tools without having to make that not really steep upfront investment. I had no idea. So it's called a makerspace. Do those exist all over the country? Is it mm-hmm. what, like, yeah. where, if somebody was interested in finding one in their neighborhood or area, where would they go or their website? Yeah, I would just Google record? like whatever city you're near and yeah, makerspace. So, like, the city near me is Worcester. So, if I were to Google Worcester makerspace, there's actually two in Worcester. So, oh, that's so cool. And then, can you keep your supplies there too? Like, if you're building a huge dining room table, do they give you like an area that you is yours and you can kind of keep your stuff? You're not bringing things back and forth, are you? So you can. Yeah. At this one, I think everyone's different and our structure is slightly differently, but you can rent like cubicle space there. So if you actually wanted to run your business full time there, there are people there who run their business out of the maker space. They've got their like cubicle space. They've got material storage and stuff. I'm fortunate to have two car garage at, at my house. So I'm able to keep most of the, the woodworking stuff here. And it's really just the engraving things that I'm, I'm kind of bringing back and forth. But usually those aren't it's not like I'm hauling a table over there back and forth. Those okay. are usually kind of smaller signs that it might be a foot or two I'm wide. Sure. I'm sure your wife loves that you're using your two-car garage as your woodwork space. Not well, we made a compromise. We... <laughs> She's yeah. like, so this is perfect. <laughs> I know you'd like to put our cars here in the freezing cold winter when we have two small children, but <laughs> I'm actually to make stuff. So, <laughs> so I've, I've taken over one bay of the garage. The okay. other one we can, I can clean up and we can get a, a car in, but. I've agreed that I, I've agreed that I'll do the shoveling and snow blowing. In yeah, the that seems nice. Of you. I feel like that goes without saying. That doesn't seem like an agreement. That just goes without <laughs> saying. You're using one whole bay of in a freezing cold East Coast part of the country. Yeah, maybe so. so. Maybe so. <laughs> anyway, well, that's really cool. That I wanted to touch on one more thing about the kind of the maker space, and just because you, I've also noticed you've done that maker camp, if you will. But I wanted to <laughs> yeah. talk about because if people are listening and they're interested, like I said, in 
getting into starting something similar to you, like what kind of resources and networking, like, because it sounds like you've now connected with a lot of other makers and people who are doing things similar to you. Has that helped you in your business? And what kinds of other, like, have you used networking opportunities at the maker space? And then I wouldn't want to hear more about that kind of stuff. Yeah, the makerspace itself does have a lot of programs there. So they'll have like once a month or so they they have like sessions that are geared towards small businesses operating out of there. So they, they might have a session on marketing yourself or they may have even a session on how to use specific tools or whatever. So that's definitely available. And I think that's pretty common across most makerspaces. I think it's usually kind of an equal balance between just hobbyists who are just doing it for fun versus people who are trying to get some sort of business off the ground. So if you go to your local makerspace, you'll meet a lot of people there. Like there's there's people there who I message or talk to if I've got questions about how to use a tool or how to do something a certain way. They're great resources. For me, like most of my learning has been off of YouTube. And then through YouTube, I've found a lot of these folks on Instagram. But especially in the maker community, there's there's hundreds of thousands, hundreds, thousands of people who make various things. Each has like really specific like niches that some are specifically on leatherworking others are like hand tools and they don't even touch like any sort of power tool others are more carpentry so as i've started to learn different things there's videos out there that can basically teach you how to do anything along the way but through instagram in particular like i found a lot of these people and most of the community is really open to helping each other out and kind of teaching each other so even like i've connected with a, a bunch of various makers like there's a, a guy in the town over from me who has his own shop. So one of my tools had broken down. I was able to give him a call and say, hey, can I borrow your tool? And I went over to his shop and, and used something around the holidays last year. Oh, that's and this so is cool. a guy that I never met until I found him on Instagram. We were complete strangers. So that's been fun. Do and then, yeah. Happy I, hours. Are you doing maker happy hours? Are these new friends? <laughs> we, like, we're <laughs> found friends. Or all you do is like literally talk shop. <laughs> Those exist as well. Those are harder for me to get to because of the two kids. But oh you know, yeah, you're never gonna get they, out of the house. Yeah, I get yeah. that. But eventually, yeah, I know that those do happen. And then you'd asked about this maker camp, which yeah, was so a really cool. fun event. That was in upstate New York. And what basically was basically maker camp. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Maker camp. I was thinking I was yeah, simplifying, so, but I wasn't. Yeah, I was at this this resort, I guess. It was kind of a rundown resort, but up in the Catskill Mountains and Basically, hundreds of makers got together for a weekend. There was a bunch of displays and basically different stations that you could try out different things. You could like turn pens, you could do some like blacksmithing, welding, sewing. But basically, you know, everybody was there for a weekend, had some drinks, but also just got a chance to meet a bunch of these people that I'd been talking to on Instagram or whatever, seen their work on YouTube and got to chat with them and meet them. That was a lot of fun. And again, a great way to make some good connections. And it was there too. You have like really successful YouTubers who like run their full-time, that is their business. They're producing content for YouTube and have sponsorship deals with big brands Mm -hmm. to like the small hobbyist that just works out of their garage and just makes things as they have time. So it's kind of fun to see all the different types of people who are making all sorts of different things. It's so cool. I, I saw it and I, it will be an, is it an annual thing? Will you go mm-hmm. back next year too? Yeah, I'll be there next year. Yeah. That is yeah. so cool. It's also nice to get out of the house and go away for a week. Exactly. Yeah. When you have two kids, this is something I'm just <laughs> reserving, putting in the room for next year also. Yeah, I, I've reserved the room for next year <laughs> before I left. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. I think it's so cool. Where would you consider yourself now? I mean, like I said before, I feel like you're so humble about your business, but in terms of marketing and kind of from a side hustle perspective, do you consider yourself 
somebody who wants to take this like to another level? Like, do you want to grow it? Do you want to start a YouTube channel? Like, what do you see for the future of Boone Island Originals? Yeah, it's hard to say right now. Like right now, time is precious because of the kids and because of the day job and everything. It's just really the only time I can get down to the shop or over to the maker spaces after kind of the kids are in bed. So the day, that day starts later. So, you know, eight or nine o'clock, I get down there. There's only so many hours in the day that I can actually be making stuff. So for me, it's hard to see necessarily how that grows too much more before it's just like too overwhelming and I can't keep up. And there's also the piece where I do like making stuff for myself and keeping those things around. So one of the fears that I have about growing it too big is that kind of I'll lose that the enjoyment out of making things for fun as well. So right now it's kind of at a comfortable level. Like I'm able to strike that balance between making stuff for other people versus making stuff for myself. I wouldn't mind it growing a little bit bigger, but it's hard to imagine, at least right now, for the next few years anyways, for it to become anything more than just a side hustle. Yeah. And so do you take on, because obviously you're the one making the project, so you can only, I get it. I mean, there are so many, only so many hours in the day, especially when you have kids. And so do you just sort of pick and choose, like, if people reach out to you for projects, like what you can handle based on your availability? And is it currently mostly people you know, or do you have like a lot of strangers reaching out saying they want stuff too? Yeah, I I can pick and choose. So there's stuff that people ask me to make and the deadline's either too tight or I'm too busy at that point. And I'll have to say, let's revisit it again later in a few Mm -hmm. months or or whatever. I would say it is right now, it's a decent balance between like people I don't know and people I do, maybe a little bit more towards people I do, but it really varies. There are some projects that are a lot easier to make, like cutting boards and stuff are pretty easy and, and quick to bang out. It's the, the bigger projects and the more custom, complicated projects just take time. So those, you know, I've got to use a little bit more discretion there as to what take on. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. I can't imagine. Like how long does it typically take? Like if you were to make a dining room table, what's the time frame that you're looking at for something like that? Yeah. Dining room table, that's probably a couple of weeks to make. If I had just dedicated time in the shop, I could probably get it out a lot quicker. But Again, it's a couple hours here and there at night. And those are the nights that I've got the energy to actually get down there. There are some nights where it's just like the last thing. I just want to get to bed, (laughs) you know? Oh, I hear you. Trust me. I hear you. And when the projects that you are making for people, are they kind of telling you what they want? Or are you saying like, this is what I can make you. I have this idea. Or are you taking interpretation from them and their vision? Yeah, generally, they'll see something that I'll put on Instagram, like these name puzzles. They're like wooden puzzles for kids that spell their names and like the letters fit in like those you know they'll reach out and say hey could you make some for my niece and nephew or whatever and I'll, I'll make a couple of those those are pretty straightforward but other ones like i had someone reach out the other day to, to make them like a box for their their wedding like they just got married and they wanted a box to keep their invitations and stuff like some tokens from their their wedding and those we're going to circle back on that in the new year after the holidays pass but those are i'd hope to kind of have a conversation with her and say like well what you know what was important to you about your wedding what are some things that you'd want to bring forward so that we could cope with something that kind of speaks to to what they they want yeah that's cool i think i saw you did something did you do something for your brother or something i did yeah yeah yeah. that was was really nice but again that that came they saw it on on instagram and said hey like i looked on etsy and trying to find a box but the one that i really liked most was similar to what you made do you think you could make something for me so you know rather than just carbon copy, you know, what I'd made for my brother, I'd like to ideally tailor it a little bit more towards, towards them. And, them you know, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really cool. And like such a nice custom because everything you do is custom, right? You're not 
you don't like carbon copy a bunch of things and then just have them ready to go. I mean, it, it's basically made on demand, right? Yeah. It's on yeah. Nuance, that's what, mm-hmm. just a lot of work too. So are you currently, like in terms of Instagram and Facebook, are you doing anything with Facebook ads? Are you marketing? Are you doing any kind of anything actively to get subscribers and followers? And No, like not really. So around the holidays and stuff, like I'll just put postings up on Facebook marketplace. So not really ads. They're not paying for that, but I'll just post the ornaments up and people will reply saying that they want those. I might make some like serving trays in advance and just put those up on Facebook marketplace and someone might pick up those. That just, I'll get some traffic that way. Cause I'll, you know, I put my brand on, on everything that I, I send out as well. So just slowly it, it starts to go up a little bit here and there. As again, I'm trying to strike that balance right now where like, I know I can't really take on all too much more right now just because of my capacity. So one of my fears is that if I really try to blast it like ads out there and really go to town in that, that I just won't be able to actually keep up with Fulfill, people yeah. actually wanting stuff. So yeah. right now, like I'm pretty comfortable just letting things grow organically. If things slow down at all for whatever reason, that's always an option. Yeah. Well, you still do have a nine to five, which I should have asked you in the beginning. Just say, tell us real quick what your nine to five is. Yes. I'm a product manager at a software company. We work together. So don't um, give it away. No, <laughs> so yeah. So basically working with our software company to integrate with the outside platforms. Yes. It's very exciting. You used to be on the same team as me and then you left to be on the product team. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yep. Still friends, still friends. So I wanted to ask you another question about, right. We talked about like woodworking is really kind of seems to be like the main core of what you make right now. But what do you see as, and you said you consider yourself a maker, so you're interested in all different things. Is there another area that you're really diving into right now and learning more about or that you have your sights on for this year that you want to kind of start building stuff in? Yeah, it is uh, New Year's resolution time. So maybe I should set a couple of <laughs> things. I hate then. New Year's resolutions. <laughs> that you I have to set fail, a couple things. feel bad. Yeah, I've yourself. got a... I have a long list of things that I want to learn more about. Like I, I would love to in 2022 start dabbling a little bit in metalworkings, like welding and stuff. Mm. Like there's some really nice like tables and things that you can make with metal bases and wooden tops. So I'd love to try to do a little bit of that. I've also had my eye on like leather working at some point too. So that I don't know if I'll get to in 2022 or not, but there's a lot of fun stuff you can do there as well. So really as I look around that maker space, there's I want to try a little bit of everything. I've only done a small portion of it, but they've got glass blowing in there. They've got like a bunch of woodworking tools that I've never touched. They've got the sewing machines, leatherworking machines, a whole metal shop. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that I've never tried, but there's people there and the tools there. So I can definitely learn. It's just a, it's always a matter of finding the time. That's so cool. Well, I don't know how you do it because I feel like I get too frustrated. I don't have time to do that, but I I feel like that takes time to teach yourself something, to learn it. And then get good at it and be able to practice it and actually produce something. So it's pretty impressive. Well, I can't wait to see what you do in that area. I'm sure I will have to buy something from you. I wanted to ask you in terms of having your side hustle, and I am always amazed by people that have kids and jobs and things, and then you're doing something that requires so much like time and effort to produce. Has it changed your like view on life? Does it provide you like an immense amount of joy to have this? Like how has having this like side hustle and kind of formalizing it more into, you know, this like business for yourself, change your outlook on things or or how you approach other goals in your life? Yeah. I mean, I really cherish the time that I have in the shop. Like it for me, going down there and, and making stuff, whether it's for myself or for the clients that I've I've worked with, 
like it's very rejuvenating. So if, if I've had a long day that's stressful at work or, or whatever, like getting down there and just either figuring out like how to make something or just to, to work on those things is like very relaxing to me. And even the the process of learning something. So if I don't know how to do something, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like that, for whatever reason, to me is like, is a big reset. Like it helps me to kind of clear my mind and just focus on on that. Also, people have all sorts of different things that they do on the side to relax or rejuvenate or whatever. It might just be sitting and watching TV. It might be cleaning the house. It might be making stuff. It, it doesn't, I think it's really important for anybody to have kind of that outlet that they can relax and do what makes them happy. And for me, this is this is it. But yeah, everybody has to have that. For me, it's, it's definitely going to the gym, getting my, my energy mm-hmm. out going there. But how do you find time? Do you really like set aside and structure your time that you're going to spend in the shop? Or is it just like you grab time when you can? Or do you kind of look at your week and say like, look, I'm going to spend these hours, these days in the shop? Is it that? How do you find time to work it into your life with work and kids? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like scheduled on a calendar, though. In the back of my head, I I kind of know get this many hours over the course of a week, like I'll have two hours this night and two hours that night. I'll usually have a couple of projects going on at once. So I can kind of plan in my head, well, on this on Tuesday, I've got to do these couple of things. And then that project has to dry. Like maybe I have to paint something on Tuesday. So I'll start my day on Tuesday, start my Boone Island day on Tuesday, painting something, get that, let that dry. And while that's drying, I can work on that other project. So I'm kind of in my head scheduling out order of operations. I should be doing stuff, but it it is pretty much at night. And then maybe there might be a random weekend day or a day off from work that I can really kind of devote the whole day to something. But it isn't as sporadic as just like, oh, I've got five minutes, I can get down to the shop and do something. Because you really do. For me, I need, you know, at least a couple of hours to actually make real progress on something. It it doesn't usually make sense to do 10 minutes of work on something. It's just hard to get started and actually get anything accomplished in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Your wife must be really supportive, though, which is good. Yeah, she's great. She's awesome. (laughs) She lets you have one side of the garage and she's supportive of you dedicating a couple hours out of the house to work on projects, which is really nice. <laughs> I think she likes it when I make her things though. Yeah. Too. So that, that's the trade-off. There's a fine, there's a fine trade-off and a balance. One other question, and then I wanted you to tell everybody where they can follow you and find you. I was curious about shipping. This is kind of a weird question, but when I think about the stuff that you make for people, are you doing stuff that's mostly for people? Like if you're building like a dining room table, obviously the smaller ornaments you could send in the mail, but how do you handle like shipping large projects like dining room tables and bigger things? Or is that for people who are in driving distance who can pick those up? Yeah, I've only, for the bigger stuff, I've only fulfilled those like to local folks. So either they've come and picked it up or I do have my minivan that I can put the seats down in. (laughs) It, it's got multiple uses, so not minivan. I love my, I I love I love my, my minivan. <laughs> so I'll put all those seats down and I'll, I'll yeah, haul you know, materials around and that. I love it. So for that, but I've never actually shipped anything that, that's super large. I'll ship around like the signs and you know, ornaments and stuff, but those are all smaller things Small. that could just be thrown in a box. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was just curious about that. All right. So last two things is just the... You don't have to give five tips. I know it's a lot of pressure, but if for people who are listening who were thinking about getting started, either doing what you were doing or just a side hustle in general, like what kinds of tips would you give to people who are thinking about doing something? And it can be related to yours or just side hustle, like a side hustle in general. Yeah, I would say whatever thing you're looking to get into, I'm sure there are people out there who are doing it already. And many, I think, would be very supportive. So 
you know, go on Instagram, go on YouTube, find these people who are doing stuff that you're doing and get tips and stuff from them or even reach out to them, message them. I think it's in everybody's best interest to help each other. And in my experience, at least with the other makers and woodworkers that I know, they've all been super helpful. So I'd, I'd say for sure, just start creating a network of folks who are doing similar things because you can all help each other. I would say try to think of creative ways to to get off the ground without necessarily having to put a ton of money up front. So like that maker space is something that's been super helpful for me. Like if I if I was strictly thinking about how do I buy like this $10,000 machine, like I, I wouldn't be doing this today. But those are really makes the point of entry a lot cheaper and makes it a lot easier to get things off the ground. And I would say, don't be shy about telling people what you're doing. Like they're your friends and family. They, of course, want to see you succeed. So I have family members when I post stuff, they're, they're always kind of reposting my stuff or sharing it with, with their friends. And through that, my following has grown. And through them, I've gotten business from those people as well. So yeah, if it's a fun conversation to have when you say, hey, yeah, I, I make things on the side and people are curious and want to hear more. So don't be shy about that. Those are really good tips. Yeah. I definitely think the money thinks. I think a lot of people, I don't know. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with just in talking to all these people. Like, like just taking like the first step and doing something that's like easy entry into something and not making it like a big, like either spending a lot of money. So I feel like that's really good. And you made that happen for yourself. Otherwise, like you said, you wouldn't be doing this. And so I think those are really smart and helpful tips. So thank you. And then lastly, just closing out, because it's been really fun chatting with you. I wanted to hear just where, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can follow you, where you are on yep. the interwebs. Yeah. So Instagram and Facebook are, are- where you can see all of my work. So I post everything that I make there. That's at Boone Island Originals. So B-O-O-N Island Originals. That's the same handle on Facebook and Instagram. I also have an Etsy page where I'll put up stuff from time to time. If I've made some things in advance, you can buy things there. And then I hope to have a website spun up soon. And if you do happen to be in the central Massachusetts area, some of my ornaments are now at a store called Watch You Make It in Holden. So, Oh, uh, that's right. I saw that's yeah. so cool. So I'm at a retail spot for the first time, which is now, how, how did you get into that? That just, just out of- again, it was just message. She had opened her shop about a year ago. I had messaged her when she had opened it and just said, Hey, good luck on your opening. Congratulations. And we've just kind of been in touch a little bit over time. And the timing hadn't been quite right in terms of getting stuff in her store, but around the holidays, people are looking to buy ornaments and stuff. So, yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, that helped. That helps to network and have, like you said, people that are you know, yeah. you're supporting that are supporting you back. So congrats. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Well, Thanks. thank you so much. This was super fun. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. And yeah, I'll let you get back to it. Back to nine <laughs> to five. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank this has been you. fun.